0: Everybody sells something, whether you are in promotions, customer service, or sales. Without a plan, you are looking at a near zero chance at success. Welcome to Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO with host Phil Bush. If you are looking to gain or retain your clients, this is one hour you and your business can't afford to miss. Now, here is your host, Phil Bush.
1: Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are around the world, or because we've had a lot of international folks. This is Phil Bush, and thank you again for joining me for Sales Execution Optimization. Very excited about my guest today. C.J. Warsler has been in the sales business for a very uh, good long while, and I'm not going to go through everything, but C.J. is the founder of an organization called Decision Point Selling, and he's had a tremendous amount of experience helping organizations improve sales performance in either sales, sales management, or sales process consulting. Been with hundreds of sales organizations, thousands of salespeople, so he gives a real-world perspective on what's happening out there. At one point in time, CJ was the director of global sales performance at Compuware Corporation. He helped enable account planning disciplines, and having done that myself, CJ, I know how difficult that is and helped teams team identify gaps and develop plans to win deals he's also spent spent in previous time spent 14 years at sales performance international where he co-developed several versions of the solution selling sales methodology so we've got a, a real master of the craft here with us today and cj welcome to sales execution optimization so happy to have you on the show today
2: thank you very much phil it's my pleasure
1: well, you know, CJ, there's so many different areas we can talk about, and it's funny because everyone always wonders how, how we fill up an hour, and then in, in about uh, about 15 minutes through, they're wondering why the show's not longer, which is always kind of interesting, but let's talk a little bit about the real world out there. I want to ask all of you, before we even start, feel free to dial in, call us at 866-472-5790. Go, you can go to uh, voiceofamerica.com business to my host page and send us questions you can tweet them in to add sales thoughts uh, and you can always email me at phil at maverin.com so all kind of ways to get and we're happy to have your questions on the air if you if you call in to ask a question of cj or myself so happy to have you but cj i wanted to first talking about you know we go gone through many rounds of different processes, enablement, et cetera. But in one of the consistent things, I think we all hear out there is, in general, no matter what you sell right now, salespeople in general they're struggling right now. Why is that? Why are they not performing the expectations? Well, Phil, you know the interesting um,
2: the interesting thing about the question is that. You know, are they performing to our expectations? And in a uh, lot of cases, they're not. But in addition to that, they're not performing to their own expectations, right? So well, salespeople yeah, well want to perform, right? They want they want to excel in everything they do. And you know, the 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 um, sort of the frustrating thing is we train them all the same way, we onboard them the same way, we manage them with the same salespeople, but different people have different results.
1: Yes, you're right, and And expand on that, CJ, because that's really interesting. Because I used a term that maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't have used expectations. I should have clarified it to say our expectations. And you're right. Well said. Yeah. Well, you
2: know, and and, you know, over the years, Phil, and and as you mentioned, I've, you know, I've been working with sales organizations for twenty years, and and um, you know, to help them improve the performance of their people. And ultimately, what I've concluded over those years is it comes down to you know oftentimes one of seven reasons why people are not performing. Um, and in, in you know number one, we may have the wrong people trying to do a job that they're just not capable of doing. Right, and we'll expand on each of these as you choose to. But I'll go through the first seven. And, you know, I'll go through the seven, and we'll talk more about it. Um, so people may have the wrong people, just not capable. Two systems, you know system complexity today is, you know, over the top as it relates to salespeople and the systems that we're asking salespeople to to manage through. And most of the time, they don't understand what's in it for them. Metrics and reporting, number three, is a reason why people may not be performing to expectation. Because in today's world, we have the ability to measure everything, and sometimes we try to do that. Number four, sales tools, right? Salespeople never seem to have the right sales tool that they can find for a specific situation. Um, number five, knowledge, skills, and abilities. Not all the salespeople have the knowledge or the skills or the abilities, and we're not, we're not in, in many cases, reinforcing those things to them consistently over time. Number six, there's often a sales and marketing disconnection within an organization. And marketing is developing content that salespeople simply don't use. AMA can give you all kinds of statistics on the the percentage of, of marketing assets that go unused by salespeople. And then number seven, certainly not not last but not necessarily least, certainly, is buyer and seller misalignment. Right, sellers are just not selling the way that buyers want to buy. And you know, when you think of all seven of those things, um, it's pretty interesting and and yeah. but the focus on all that is you know any of those areas that are either too complex too difficult or we don't have the knowledge for is going to cause someone to underperform
1: yeah uh, that's a great point and i think all, I, I think I, I think we've all but especially you and i in our various roles cj have seen all seven of these situations occur Sometimes a couple in an organization where they've occurred, for sure. But one of the things that I, I want to come back to and, and have you talk a little bit about is one of the words that I, I don't hear us use often enough in my, in my own personal view is the word simple. We have made right. things very complicated. So and it yeah, seems yeah. like you would agree with that based on what you said.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, a a couple of areas that are that where complexity is just sort of over the top is with CRM and compensation plans, right? So, Uh, and, you know, it could go on and on, right? But CRM, there's so much complexity in CRM today. And, um, you know, CRM systems typically are built and programmed for management, so management can get the information they need to make better decisions. And I don't think anybody would disagree with that. But if a salesperson doesn't know why they're using the system and what it means to them and understand how it can help them sell more, they're simply going to avoid it and the more complex we make it, the more the avoidance happens
1: clearly compensation c j right? to that point so, oh yo, know, you got comp plans and that I know that could be a whole show unto itself I'm sure, so
2: that's right, yeah. yeah that's
1: right <laughs> I'm telling you. I mean, well, you're right, but uh, tell me more about the notion of, uh, do you see any consistent mistakes being made in the area of compensation, CJ?
2: Well, I think, you know, just a couple of things, right? One is, when comp plans become so complex that salespeople can't simply figure out how much money they're going to make when they sell something, or the comp plan isn't rolled out until, because there's so much complexity to it that it takes finance or operations or whoever it is you know three months into the fiscal year to get the compliance out to the team you know if you put a combination of those two things together it's very very demotivating
1: yeah uh, I, uh, I certainly can't argue that point and uh, again i think it goes back to the word simple and, and it's yep. it's funny because we live in a, in a society that's very Technology in general, I should say, not everyone, but in general, technology focused and even technology savvy. And I made the comment in, in a prior episode of Sale Execution Optimization, and, and I'm sure you have seen a, a version of this, is that before a buyer talks to a seller just about anything, they've done 70% plus of their research and they think they already know what they're buying. So right. I'm sure that's – same. You, now, what I find interesting about this is, I, and again, not to dis, not to dissuade our buyers from doing research. Certainly, you got to do research as we all do when we're buying anything. We're buying a house. We're buying a car. We all do our online research. Doesn't mean that you have all the answers. But what I do find interesting, you made the comment. Uh, about the crm systems and comp plans and you know one of the things cj that i have said i think i've said it on this show a couple of times but i think i've said it to you a few times is i i find that salespeople are, are creatures of very distinct habit and they pay attention to two things and two things only their compensation plan and their manager and about in that order it's been what i've seen would you concur with that
2: yeah absolutely yeah, and, and I don't yeah. believe salespeople leave companies. I believe they leave their managers. So if salespeople are ah. leaving an organization, they're probably not leaving the company. They might like the company. They're leaving the manager, generally the person that they're reporting to. Yeah. Um, but but compensation has to be simple. And, you know, we talk about technology. Technology is, is awesome, right? And we've got more technology today than we've ever had. And if you think about it, technology should exist to simplify things that used to be too difficult to manage without technology, right? right? So, and but yet, the technology has advanced to the point where there are so many capabilities now that we're now trying to do fifty things where we used to just try to do two. Now we have technology; we're trying to you know multiply all the things that we can actually accomplish and measure, and it becomes overwhelming.
1: Yes, I find that to be a very interesting situation, and to expand on that, CJ, as it relates to this whole area of complexity, you know, and I asked the question up front, the nature of salespeople not performing expectations. You listed out seven different factors, and I, we've all seen elements of those seven. Now, what I do find interesting, though, and I wanted to get your take on this, you know, as a result, you know, is that part of the reason we have such a problem with things like pipeline and forecast? Is is these is these issues you brought out, it seems like they're all contributing factors.
2: Well, they are. Um, I mean, you know, people, right? I mean, yeah. people are hardwired to, to perform in, in a certain way. And depending on the role that we're asking them to play, some people are hardwired to perform that role very well and others are not. Uh-huh. And, you know, if pipeline development is one of the areas that are, that is critical for someone, certainly in a sales role, um, to be able to develop pipelines, some people are not going to pick up the phone, they're not going to send an email, they're not going to reach out and ask anybody for a meeting. It doesn't matter how much we want them to or how much we measure them on. And, and you know, it, it used to be in finding good salespeople is very, very difficult, right? And, And it used to be in the interviewing process, well, we find this guy and he's got a great desire, right? This guy really wants the job. He's very articulate. Um, You know, he has major motivation, major drive. So I can teach him everything there is to them. And so the skills piece, right, was the second piece So desire and then skills. So I can teach him the skills to perform. But what we, you know, oftentimes overlook or forget are the genetics of individuals, and, you know, I would say that it's probably not coincidence that, um, uh, that Dell Curry has two sons playing in the NBA, Steph Curry, probably some of you have heard of him, and then his <laughs> little brother, right? And it's probably not coincidence that Del Curry was one of the best shooters in the NBA, and Steph Curry is the best shooter probably in NBA history, maybe, some would argue.
1: I've heard he's not bad. I think I've heard he's pretty good, <laughs> CJ.
2: <laughs> I mean, and and so you you tell me that's all desire and skills. I would say there's probably some genetic, um, you know, um, factor that that plays into that. And you know, some people are just not born with the right chromosomes to do jobs we're asking them to do.
0: And uh, it, you know, if you it, consider uh, a it's... five
2: foot tall basketball player, right? He can have all the desire in the world to dunk a basketball. You can send him off to the best, um, you know, training facilities in the world and train him over and over and over and over and over But guess what? He's not ever going to dunk a basketball because he's just not genetically able to do that. And the same thing occurs with salespeople, right? Some salespeople are aggressive. Some are too aggressive. Some are not aggressive enough. And depending on the role they're in and the company that they're working for, all, you know, there's different factors there that uh, that come into play. So, so people, we have to have the right people that can actually do the job that we want them to do, right? We, we also have to make sure that they have the knowledge and skills based upon a really strong, um, onboarding program, a really good, strong, consistent training program, and a really good, strong reinforcement system to help people to continue to reinforce the company sales philosophy, methodology, process, and then we're going to talk about methodology, process in our next segment. Yeah. So we'll go into more detail on that. But um, you know, it, it's very important that that we are providing people with the tools they need, and you know that sort of leads into the whole sales and marketing disconnect. Um, yeah, you know, I, I certainly concur. Think, you know, yeah, a lot M- of most interesting marketing is is sort of where the rubber meets the sky, right? And, and, uh, marketing people often think salespeople are not smart enough to use what they created. So it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a double-edged sword and, you know, certainly I'm overgeneralizing in, in a couple of those areas, but, um, you know,
1: it's, it's it's a lose, lose proposition. You're absolutely right. I think, and what what I find fascinating about what you're saying, CJ is, you, you know, when we look at. The, any and you're looking at an organization and trying to help them understand uh, where they are today and and sometimes I have found organizations and they don't understand all the things that you have laid out a, as clearly being issues. And I'm not saying they've got all the issues ordinarily I'm not saying that at all but they clearly have got issues and what is fascinating to me is the number of organizations, that you read about them not hitting targets, be they revenue targets, being their, being their uh, rev- performance targets, be their profit targets, whatever. But they they and they don't ever talk about how they're going to really address some of these issues. It's almost like they can't they can't or don't want to talk about it because it's going to get better by itself. And I, I I wouldn't think you'd think that to be the case, would you? No, it's, yeah.
2: it's, it's generally not going to fix itself. Right. And right. Uh, oftentimes what you find in so many organizations is there's some, there's so many political barriers that this person owns this and this person owns this and they think they know what they're talking about, but, and, and they might in their own mind. Um, but you know, the, the collaboration often doesn't happen. Emotions, egos, you know, get in the way and, uh, it becomes a challenge. So, you know, it, it takes more than
1: one individual, certainly, to um, to fix the problem because the problem is multifaceted. So as CJ has given us some great insight here, he's talked about the various issues, the wrong people in some cases, the systems complexities, the metrics, the sales tools, the knowledge and skills and abilities Sales and marketing, having that disconnect, and the buyer and seller misalignment, which we're going to talk about more in our next segment. We're going to talk a little more about the notion of sales process, sales methodology. But, CJ, great insight. Thanks. And, well, folks, we'll be right back after this short break on sales execution optimization, what I call the new SEO.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network
1: on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Maverin Sales and Marketing is a methodology independent and worldwide resource to help organizations better execute on sales process, sales coaching, sales planning, territory development, partner execution, and related topics. The organization works across all industries. Sales has certain elements that are beyond training and are better addressed by a company like Maverin, where each situation is unique. Reach out to Maverick by email at psbmaverick at gmail.com or call 404-840-4927. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice
2: America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO. To reach Phil Bush or his guest today, please call one 472 5790 That's one 472 5790 You may also send an email to psbush at bellsouth.net. Now, back to Sales Execution Optimization.
1: Well, once we started talking there with our, our wonderful guest, C.J. Worsler, I find it very interesting because I really asked C.J. some tough questions, which he, of course, handled like they were uh, pretty pretty easy, but he gave us a lot to talk about there in, in our first segment about why we're struggling so much in in, in sales in this day and age, and, and what I really wanted to get into now, before and before I do that, remind you to please feel free to reach out to us at Uh, You can go to the host page of uh, voiceamerica.com to my host page and send a question there. You can reach out via phone at 866-472-5790. At Sales Thoughts, you can tweet us. Happy to take your questions live. But in general, what I find fascinating is we've got people from about 20 countries that have been listening in. Uh, and I'm sure, and what it tells me is that sales is a universal issue, CJ. And in this segment, what I really wanted to talk about was sales process and methodology, which it, it I, and I'll start by kind of tossing out the notion of, just, to, just for our folks, what's the difference between a sales process and a sales methodology? Because I'm not sure that everyone has a similar answer to that.
2: Yeah, well, great question, Phil, and, and a lot of people are confused over that out there, right? And you hear, you know, you, you ask people, well, what sales process do they use? And, and they, they, you know, they, they tell you a sales training organization or a sales training methodology. Um, you know, and you say, what's your sales process? And they say, Miller-Hyman, uh, just as an example, and, and certainly there are others. Well, so, which tells me that there, there's a lot of confusion. And so a sales process is really a formula. Right, And a sales methodology are a set of best practices, basically. So if you, if you think of a sales process roadmap, it's really a formula for successfully moving an opportunity from early stage to closure. And, and, and it provides a standard of measurement to know how long we are or how far along we are in the journey from beginning to ending of a sales cycle. Right. So if you think of a series of of stages, a series of of uh you know milestones from one point to another. And then um, you know, the the, the process or the, the the formula, if you will, so sort of so like baking a cake, right? You bake a cake and you leave something out of that formula or recipe, if you will, you're probably not gonna be successful at it. And um but today you know Phil most companies have a defined sales process um, either it's homegrown or it's been built by a um, a sales consulting organization but one of the and, and so you know a lot of them say yes we have a sales process and they show me their one page map or whatever and what I see in a lot of them is that they're they have a lot of internal activities and forms to be completed I saw one the other day that in in the plan stage, it says do an account plan. It was like, wow, that's probably really helpful to someone, but I don't know who, mm-hmm. right? Well, of course you have to do an account plan, but you know, a good sales process roadmap is filled with customer facing activities that's custom built for that organization by a professional that helps them understand here are these specific things that we need to do in each step of the process along the way to ensure that we're going to be successful. So if you think about that in a nutshell, that's really what a sales process roadmap is about.
1: Now, what I find fascinating about that CJ, I'm sorry CJ, please finish up there. I didn't want to jump in.
2: <clears throat> yeah, in other words, a sales methodology, right? Now, if you have a sales process roadmap with all those critical activities identified, a sales methodology supports that and provide you with a set of best practices of principles philosophies rules that allow a salesperson to move an opportunity through the pipeline and be able to achieve the milestones so simply said the sales process are the milestones the sales methodology are the underpinnings that give you the ability to execute on those specific activities to move through from beginning to ending, right of closure, and so sales process without a methodology doesn't help you understand how to move through it. A methodology without a roadmap provides you with an inability to understand where you are and how far along you are, and when is this deal is ever going to close,
1: right? And to that point, CJ, it, it takes me back to our in our first discussion. You had mentioned that there was a key issue you know one of the most important issues you know in terms of your seven your, your what I call your your top seven buyer and seller misalignment was one of the things you mentioned which I found fascinating because it leads us right into this discussion about having a well defined process and a well defined methodology, and for organizations to really understand how the two for lack of better term intersect or interconnect as it were, so mm-hmm. that's real that's fascinating to me so yeah,
2: well and you know and in, in any good methodology is going to be focused on aligning itself with the way people buy right so the idea that um, an organization is going to go out and find a sales methodology in the marketplace that is you know and and buy a bunch of books and tell everybody to read the book and be master salespeople in their specific situation is you know it's it's <laughs> it's not very practical right because there's too much interpretation of well how does this fit into my specific world and you know a lot of our customers at decision point selling are organizations that have done training with other companies but had no idea how to how to relate that methodology or training session they went to to their specific business and in some cases they call us and say we went through this training but we don't know what to do with it right and so we help we help them understand how to make a specific methodology fit into what they do so their salespeople really can see this fits me like a glove as opposed to me trying to go fit myself into
1: some standard um, you know, out-of-the-box sort of uh, offering. I find this fascinating, CJ, and not in the least bit surprising. You know, the name of our show, Sales Execution Optimization, you know, we talk about but it, it, the common phraseology about what we do is often sales enablement. So what's the most, one of the most interesting things to me is how do you enable a process at an organization? And for that matter, if you choose to take it on that way, a methodology. What are the steps, what are the things that our, our listeners can take away and say, okay, in order to improve where I am today, this is what I have to do? Well, you know, um, interesting question,
2: Phil. And, and one of the things that we, we think about and oftentimes companies think about is, you know, I need a process, I need a methodology. And that often comes as a reaction from the fact or, or from a belief in their world that they don't have the proper level of sales performance on their team. And so when when companies look at, all right, we have a performance problem, what do we do? Well, so some of the common reactions are well let's replace the salesperson, right? Let's just let's get a new rep. Let's change the comp plan because the comp plan must be screwed up because they're not selling enough. Or maybe we need to increase their quota to put more pressure on them. Maybe we we should implement CRM. Maybe we should redo their territory. Or, you know, as we just talked about, maybe we should send them the sales train.
1: Yes, I've heard that one.
2: You know, (laughs) those common reactions to sales issues. But where's the focus? The focus on all of that is is the salesperson. Well, guess who has the greatest ability to impact performance? It's not at the salesperson level. It's at the executive and sales management level. And we believe that there are, if you're going to go out and implement a sales process and use a sales methodology, there are six dependencies, still that companies have to make sure that they're checking off. Um, three of them have to do with executive, top-level executives in the organization and certainly at sales management level. And the other three have to do with data and and uh, CRM. So six dependencies for proper implementation. First and foremost, executive immersion in the methodology, language, and process. If the executives, and when I say executive, you know, if you're talking about a you know, um, uh, you know, a five hundred billion dollar company, uh, I don't guess the CEO needs to know the language of the sales organization. But if you're talking about a billion-dollar organization or smaller, the executives in the top level, the executives in the organization, certainly at least in the sales side, need to understand what the methodology is. They need to know the common language that we're asking salespeople to speak. And they need to have some understanding at a very, very high level of what the sales process steps are. And and because, you know, salespeople come and – in in um, contact with top level executives all the time, whether it's a customer business headquarters or a sales call, where the CEO says, "I want to go meet our top customers," and and so those interactions, it's very important for the sales organization to know that the executives are immersed in the language that we're asking the salespeople to speak. It's huge. The
1: now, CJ, on that on that yeah. note, that's interesting because I, I certainly concur what you're saying. Because it seems to me that in most organizations where this doesn't take place, and it's kind of that glass house mentality, where the as you say the sale the 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 top executives they're kind of a level at least a level removed from what's really going on in the field, and that mm-hmm. can't be healthy. Well, it's just it
2: doesn't it it doesn't provide salespeople. With the confidence that, oh, this really is a company-wide, this, you know, initiative. This is the way we talk, and this is the way we sell in our company. And if the top-level executives don't understand the language, they don't speak the language we they're talking to salespeople. It just tells the salespeople, well, you know what, this may, this, this, this shall, this too shall pass, right? Because next yes. year we'll have another, another methodology, right? So second dependency, sales and management mastery of the methodology, language, and process. So at the executive level, there has to be an immersion and an understanding of awareness. At a, at a first-line sales manager level, they have to be masters of the methodology. They have to know the language better than any other salespeople. They have to know the process, you know, without looking at it. And because if you, you think about a golf analogy, right, so best golfer, you know, becomes a teacher of golf and they're gonna go out and and you know, um, they're gonna teach people how to play golf. Well, if they're not a master of the game, how could you possibly teach? And so sales leadership, first line sales managers have to be a master of the methodology and the language so that they can in fact teach people how to use it. Otherwise they're not gonna talk about it, right? And and you know, sales managers uh, in, in so many cases, they don't even go to sales training. Well, that's for the salespeople. Or they go and they listen in the background, right? But they
1: haven't mastered it, so that's huge. Okay. Now, I would I would say this though. One of the things that I have commented on, and you know, sometimes, and this is a mistake I see in a lot of organizations, CJ. And I'd appreciate your thoughts on it. The best sellers don't necessarily make the best managers, or vice versa. Well, so you know,
2: go back to segment 1, right, the DNA. <laughs> the DNA of a great salesperson is generally not the same DNA as a great sales manager.
1: Clearly, and and your such your your commentary has certainly echoed that and it's it's fascinating to me because every time you hear different takes on this, I think you hear different views on it, but it seems like the problems because you've been with hundreds of companies and it seems like from what you're telling us, you're seeing very similar types of issues no matter what, no matter the industry, no matter the company. And I realize there's no one-size-fits-all. I'm not saying that at all. But the issues seem to be coming from you a different perspective in all directions at once. Is that a fair statement?
2: Yeah. And, and frankly, it hasn't changed that much.
1: Okay. In the years. Good to know. I, I mean, we're still
2: promoting yeah. the best salespeople. Making the managers; some of them are awful managers, um, and you know, um, and and I've seen that it continues to happen today. Right? Um, another area for successful implementation is disciplined compliance of doing deal reviews, pipeline reviews, and forecasting. And there has to be the proper rigor put in place, the proper cadence to regularly have those conversations. And the self-discipline to make sure that we're continuing to do those on a weekly basis when we say we're gonna do them and not stray away from the cadence that we've determined we're gonna use um, you know, in that what I call discipline compliance piece. And then you know the last three areas all have to do with CRM integration and in CRM, data accuracy and CRM, and sales dashboards for leadership. Um, you know, uh those are are three of the other dependencies that are absolutely critical to successful methodology implementation
1: so so what i would say cj what you've given us is a picture of you know to go back to some of our earlier conversations simple is still important the things haven't changed that much even though we are at a different level of technology at a general level The executive immersion, you made a comment, is very important. It can't be one of these do as I say, do as I do, not do as I say, or vice versa. I always get that analogy mixed up. But my my listeners, I think, will they're smart enough to figure it out. But you know what I I mean. mean. They got it, yeah. Yeah, they got it. You know, the data and CRM disconnect. But you made a very interesting comment there, and I think it's a great takeaway from this segment for our audience, is consistency is critical, deal reviews pipeline reviews forecast reviews consistency and not one of the things we see a lot of organizations is kind of the flavor of the week like didn't work this thing we tried last week didn't work and they want to we live in the day and age of instantaneous gratification unfortunately and i think you've laid out some sales issues here that are not going to be instant gratification solved you can't do it it's not possible well you know maybe we can talk about this a little bit more in our next segment but yeah. you know we call that the difference between the fad diet and the lifestyle change uh, there we go and folks as we wrap up here in this, this segment i want to leave you with one thought here is you're you're hearing some things that really can change how you go about executing and this is not just about kind of laying out all the problems CJ's giving you some real concrete things in our third segment we're going to hopefully give you some ideas to walk away with so we'll be right back after this short break
0: maverin sales and marketing is a methodology independent and worldwide resource to help organizations better execute on sales process sales coaching sales planning territory development partner execution and related topics the organization works across all industries. Sales has certain elements that are beyond training and are better addressed by a company like Maverin, where each situation is unique. Reach out to Maverin by email at psb.maverick@gmail.com at gmail.com or call 404-840-4927. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites.
1: That's VoiceAmericaTRN.
0: This is Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO. To reach Phil Bush or his guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to psbush at bellsouth.net. Now, back to Sales Execution Optimization.
1: Thanks for rejoining with us, everybody. Sales execution optimization, my guest, C.J. Worsler. And C.J. talked a lot with us in the last break. We talked a lot about sales process and sales methodology, and there's always some confusion about both. But C.J., I know we finished up that segment, and you were talking about some of the facts uh, uh, about going about making this transformation. And you had an interesting analogy you used. But before you say that, C.J., tell folks how they can get a hold of you. Yeah,
2: so you can reach us, uh, find us at uh, DecisionPointSelling.com, um, Twitter at DP Selling, or at CJ Worsler. Oh,
1: that's great. You can reach us at
2: 3770 8-
1: that's great, because you've already prompted a bunch more questions in people's minds, I'm sure. But, CJ, you were talking, giving us a great analogy about the, uh, the, the fad diet and the change of lifestyle. So, please, let's hear some more about that.
2: Well, you know, one of the things we see is, is if there is no executive immersion and the sales managers have not become masters of a process and a methodology, then it's probably not ingrained in the fabric of their business. And oftentimes when that happens, what we see is, you know, you've got this team of people scurrying around for the next global sales kickoff meeting. And they're saying, well, you know, what should we do? Well, let's go find, um, you know, the latest fad book on the marketplace about selling and let's get a speaker in here to, to fire up the team, right? Or they, you know, they say, let's go find a training company. We bring the training company in and they do a kickoff. Well, there's no, there's no reinforcement following it. Um, and everybody gets back, goes back to their regular jobs, and, and, you know, it just sort of flames out. And so it becomes this big event that didn't have any, any value. And when they don't get the feedback or the payback, then, you know, well, it's CRM must be wrong. Let's fix CRM or let's fix our marketing message. Let's get new salespeople. Let's change the managers. Well, by then it's time to put together that core team of, of uh, you know, um, masters to figure out which sales training um, you know, methodology or event we should bring in next year. And, and we call that the fad diet approach, right? So, I mean, it's not the methodology's fault, right? I mean, you know, there are a lot of methodologies out there that are phenomenal. The key to all of them is they're using them and using them consistently. So our approach is not one of a fad diet approach. Ours is much more a change in lifestyle. And because if you if you change your lifestyle, right, and, and everybody knows that analogy, there's a million fad diets. We've all been on fad diets, but the only way to lose weight consistently and be healthy is to change your lifestyle. And so our approach is let's make sure we have the right sales process. It's embedded in, in the right CRM. We have the right people in, in, in the right roles. We have the right messages developed for them to take out to customers. Now let's train the sales leadership teams. Let's make sure that once we've done that, they are practicing and reinforcing it with them. Let's now develop the right content to train the salespeople. Let's do as much effort in reinforcement of that training as necessary, or excuse me, as, you know, as, as we did in, in, in the training itself, and continue to reinforce it over and over and over. Because if we do that, now we have a new lifestyle, and we don't need a fad diet. We don't need a kickoff bit. And, and, you know, the amount of money spent on sales kickoffs is astronomical. Huge, the, very huge. The value received is, is very minimal. Um,
1: it's so a great comment, TJ.
2: You know, don't, don't go on a fad diet. Change the lifestyle.
1: Yeah. Now you raised some interesting points there, CJ. So we're coming up in that time of year. We're in mid-November and people are, if they're on a calendar year, are beginning to think about that sales kickoff. So folks, don't try for the quick fix because it's likely not going to work. And as CJ mentioned, you're going to be talking about a lot of money you spent on a kickoff that didn't really change anything. The second thing that CJ has mentioned, and he's mentioned it actually in all three segments in different ways now, is the notion of reinforcement just because you go through a training regimen in a classroom or in a session does not mean that it's going to be used unless it is reinforced it is coached to that will change things that's the lifestyle change that cj talked about and 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 finally uh, so cj assuming and that admittedly this is an assumption here that they don't try to do the quick fix what is what are the best best practices and i I really want to make sure our folks who are listening can take away some things that they can suggest either themselves as a sales manager or to their management if they're sellers what kind of things can what would you how would you phrase the suggestions well so um you know if you if you're
2: not hitting revenue targets and you believe there's a problem from a sales performance perspective you really have to bring in an independent third party to dig anywhere in the organization they need to dig and not worry about politics and not worry about you know political thinking and people trying to to hide from you know lack of performance to really get down and ask the tough questions of everybody in the company to figure out where are the real problems, right? Where do those problems really lie? And it's, it's very difficult for someone inside of the organization to do that because either they can't interview this person because they don't report to them or they can't interview that person because, you know, they don't know them or whatever the case might be is, and you know, whether it's me or somebody else, right? I mean, Clearly, I don't care who it is. Well, that's a lie. I really want it to be me, Phil. You know that. Mm. But um, point (laughs) being, (laughs) go find an independent consultant that knows what they're talking about to come in and really figure out where the problems are and which of those one or more of the seven areas are areas that need to be focused on and improved upon. And then put a game plan together that is not just a quick fix, that it is a a long term approach and um, and you know and put together a real plan of how you're gonna tackle different pieces um, and it but it has to be collaborative with the entire executive team right and there has to be executive buy-in and
1: and um, you know Yes. The interesting thing about what you just said, and and several of our our prior guests have said it, again, everyone says things a little differently, CJ, so I think your take on it is very good. It's the third-party notion here, having that outside perspective, what I like to call those outside eyes, coming Mm -hmm. in and looking with with no preconceived notion, with no preconceived biases, they just want to get it right. And you made the right. comment, and it seems it seems almost prophetic that you made a comment that had the word politics in it, given what we just went through this past week, I must say. <laughs> that was interesting, shouldn't we say? But no, you, you made a great, great comment that the person coming in, they're not looking at the political landscape of the organization, and frankly, they don't care about it. They're trying right. to get it right. And I think that's the key thing, is the outside eyes help Get it right, and they don't care about the politics. They don't care about offending people. They're there to get it right. And I think again, you made the comment earlier that executive immersion, I think, is so important to get every. This is there can only be one sales process, one methodology, and everybody's got to be in from the top down. Everybody in. So if not, you're going to have trouble. So, folks, listening. Take it back. If you want to try to make improvements, um, the best way to do that is to emphasize we've got to get everybody on the same page. And we've got to really focus on keeping it simple, but we've got to get everybody from executives on down all agreed on what all of our processes and methodologies are going to be. So I think that's a great takeaway for our audience, CJ. So yeah, Phil, thank you. And and I agree. And you know, the other takeaway, I guess, that
2: I would that I would leave the, the, the folks with is the word change, right? So so are we willing to change what we're doing today? If a problem has been identified, there's so many people in organizations that you know are are fearful of change. And that's part of how we're hardwired, right? It goes back to the DNA again, right? Some people are scared to death of change. And and people are only going to change when they've reached their level of threshold of pain or problems. It gets to the point where now it's so great that they have to do something about it. And every executive in an organization is going to be at a different level in terms of their progression to change and their willingness to change. And so if, you know, and, and, you know, there's a difference between being open to change and being committed to change. Um, and if there are problems with sales performance, those are not going to go away by ignoring them. There has to be some sort of event, some sort of activity, and that's going to involve change by a lot of people in the organization. So one of the things we really pushed for early, you know, and it took a long time to figure this out is is everybody on board with a new way of doing something because if you have somebody who's saying they are but they're sitting in the background and they're you know throwing bowling pins out underneath people as they're walking down the hallway you know that's going to be an issue
1: yes so i i concur that with a that
2: huge, huge piece
1: yep well and one of my one of our prior guests uh, Mike Bosworth was on a few weeks ago, and he made a comment that I, I, I take with me forward uh, from a long time ago. He made the comment, and I know he still s- says it today to your point, CJ, no, no pain, no change. And so right. as you said, if people don't acknowledge that there is an issue, there's not going to be any change. So you've got to get yeah. them to acknowledge there's an issue because that gives us at least a basis for making change. Because if you don't make change, then you're going to be back in the same situation. And I've seen many organizations, I'm sure you have, that wonder why year after year they seem to have the same conversation. They, they seem to always feel that they don't make the progress. Now, they may sell a little bit more. Or they may reduce expenses or, or whatever. But they still feel like they're stuck. Is is there anything you would give us to our our audience about how do you get unstuck? Is it is it about getting people to acknowledge the the notion of pain?
2: Well, everybody has to want to be able to move in the same direction, right? And that's very very difficult in an organization. The bigger the organization is, the more difficult it is to get everybody rowing in the you know in in um, you know with the right rigor and cadence and and uh, you know to get the rhythm of that. Um, you know the boat rowing in the right direction, and synchronization is huge and it's uh it's very very difficult, but it is possible right?
1: clearly because you 've done it I, I think we've seen organizations where it does work but it yep. and the other thing that i 've noticed c j is depending on the organization's longevity, the longer and the the more the longer the organization's been around what I call the legacy organization. Has a much bigger challenge with change in most cases.
2: Well, and I mean, I think that's probably true, right? It's, I mean, older corporations are like older people. They get set in their ways, and, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just that's the way we've always done it. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we teach salespeople is you have to understand there's a difference between the need to change and the desire to change. And and you know, or an appetite for change. Some and and you know, some new people come in organizations. They come in and they're so excited, they're going to change everything immediately. Well, guess what? You know, that's where all the roadblocks go up. And so clearly. you know, um, if there's no need for change but a huge appetite, those people are going to get their legs cut off from under pretty quickly. And clearly, so it's yeah. important in You know, in selling and in changing in an organization, you have to know who has a need to change and who has an appetite or a desire to change. And, you know, if you find someone that has both, then you've probably got a change agent inside the organization that can help, um, you
1: know, drive, drive the performance uh, or changes necessary to improve the performance. Fascinating stuff, CJ, and certainly you brought up a lot of key points that I hope we all take away from. Let's summarize. So what you all heard today was we talked, I initially asked CJ a question about why are we struggling. He talked about the seven issues of why struggles exist, including having the wrong people, the wrong systems, metrics, sales tools, having knowledge, skills, and abilities aligned sales and marketing and disconnect and then the buyer and seller being misaligned we talked and we talked a little bit about pipeline and forecast and we expanded on this in segment two talking a little bit about the nature of the sales process and methodology and i thought cj did a great job of kind of giving us why both exist and and the phraseology is different but they both have a place in any organization and we talked a bit about transformation in that the things you have to do to get things going. And it, but it did come back. One of the things you'd mentioned earlier that I think we come back to is executive immersion. And I think that's such a key thing. And then finally, in our last segment, really did a great job, CJ. I really appreciate it, giving our audience some takeaways about looking at the topic of change and who are the change agents in the organization. They may not be who you think they are. So, folks, this has been another great episode of Sales Execution Optimization. CJ, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. Great job. Thank you. Please reach out to CJ. Reach out to me at Sales Thoughts through my site. We'll be with you next week. We'll have another sales leader on our hands, Jim Cusick, from a major software company, vice president, talking about the real world, what's going on out there. We thank you for joining us. Have a great week of selling, everybody. Thank you for being with Sales Execution Optimization yet
0: again. Thank you for listening this week. Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, can be heard live every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.